bitches. I'm Jono. And I'm Dominic. And this, this is Jabber. Hey guys, welcome to Jabber. I'm Dominic. Hey bitches, I'm Jono. And we have a guest with us today. How do you say your name? Is it McCray? Yes. McCray Game? Yes. And you were a former gay conversion therapy leader and founder. And now you are openly gay, right? That's correct. So take us all the way back to the beginning. Did you know that you were gay all along? Or is it something that you figured out over time? Well, you know, I started putting my sister's dresses on when I was five. So I knew there was something different about me. Um, I was checking out boys um, exclusively at 11. And um, that kind of broke my fixation on my sister and all that. And I lived um, as a gay out gay young man from 19 to 22 as out as someone in the south 30 years ago could have um and uh my mom walked in on me making out with a boyfriend and she freaked out and she told the rest of the family my dad was okay with it as long as i was by he was I got involved in Amway of all things, and um, which is very Christian. I had been raised in um, the church, but had been away from it for a long time. And um, got, I don't know, sucked in to the evangelical um, ex-gay world for the next 28 years. Um, I was a client for eight years, and then it was just a natural progression. That's one of the things about ex-gay ministry is um, they, we, you know, you're constantly raising up leaders to do what you're doing. There's no formal training. So to say that I was a therapy leader um, is is a lot more accurate than to say that I was a therapist, which I'm usually called, which is not true. Um, I, it's probably more accurate to say I was a ministry leader. Was this uh, a church or did you go on to starting a, a camp, a conversion camp? It's, it's neither. Um, it is a non-denominational organization. We had, a, an, we had an office or offices. We had the upstairs of an attorney's office, um, a very uh conservative attorney's office and so we had meetings in various churches um at first in one church and then eventually around the country when um what was originally truth ministry became hope for wholeness when we took the place or space of exodus international did the other members or leaders know that you were gay? Well, everybody, most, most everybody was gay. It's just like, you know, oh, I mean, oh so, okay. Right. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're former, former gay people. That's, that's what you would say is a former homosexual. Um, 
but we still had ongoing um, what we would term as same-sex attractions. So it's not like, you know, a bunch of homophobic, straight, macho guys decided no, to start an organization. So you were basically saving yourselves and helping others do the same, so to speak. Yes. There were a few altruistic, Christian, straight people, very loving, sweet people. You know, the the horror stories of the camps and awful people, I I didn't participate in any anything like that. I, I wasn't a part of anything like that. These were all very well-meaning people. There were some leaders, I won't name them, they weren't a part of our organization, but another organization that is really the only real ex-gay national network left um, that many of its leaders are um, very cult-like leaders. Um, and, um, you know, we were generally, uh, genuinely trying to love on people and not trying to force ourselves on them. But I have many, I'm sure, former clients that would say otherwise. And I, you know, respect and appreciate people who would say that I um, was not um, what I would have considered and liked to have thought my best intentions and best heart. You know, they probably felt harmed. Um, but, you know, when you go to a staunch conservative who is kind of a zealot <laughs> and you are not in the same space, same mental space they are in, um, you know, you kind of opening yourself up. Um, I, I, I'm just very thankful that I'm not in that space anymore. It, it took me getting fired to snap out of it. And even after getting fired, um, it took me 18 months uh, to come out and renounce my work. Um, I really felt completely lost because my entire identity was caught up in this ex-gay persona that I had created. You know, this uh, ex-gay, you know, Oprah of sorts. Um, and, uh, you know, who was I um, apart from that? And you know, where was I going to go from there? Because, you know, my whole um, restraining, repressing myself was based on who I was as a ministry leader. And now that had been removed from me, that boundary. Um, so what was I going to do with that? And, uh, it, I, you know, it was some, some long soul searching. Um, that finally took me to realize that I could not hide, that I needed to go just as hard um, in the opposite direction as I did in the other direction if I was going to be, I was going to, you know, accept myself and real, really make my life have meaning.
what was it like during that time where you had to put on this persona as a, you know, found person and knowing deep down inside that you, you weren't. It was very stressful. I mean, cause I was constantly, you know, I was telling my uh, roommate, um, another ski patroller up here, um, is that, you know, I was being funny because we had left the milk in the, in the truck, but it's cold up here. And, and I said, you're my accountability partner. So help me remember the milk. And he said, what do you mean by accountability partner? And I said, oh my gosh, I used to have all of these people to hold me accountable to whether I masturbated or whether I had looked at porn or had inappropriate thoughts and that's what the whole ex-gay world, you know, is and utilizes. And I helped promote in this repression. Um, Do you feel that you were brainwashed, so to speak? Well, sure. Um, I mean, you know, you know, it's brainwashing. Um, well, you know, it's just it's this heteronormative right. way of thinking that refuses to allow anyone to have any other kind of mental space other than their heteronormative way of thinking. Nothing else is acceptable. And so my way of thinking as a 22-year-old gay man was unacceptable. And even as a ministry leader and, uh, you know, married man and kids I still struggle to keep it in the boundaries, you know, constantly, you know, looking up, you know, Andrew Christian videos on YouTube and, you know, eventually, you know, looking at porn and, and, you know, that was a part of why I was fired is because I, I just couldn't, um, I just wasn't good enough. I just couldn't keep it in the lines. And, um, so, yeah. Are you the ministry's bathhouse Betty? <laughs> <laughs> but how's your relationship with your wife and kid or kid, former wife, ex-wife and kids today? Um, she and I are still married just because okay. we're as, as far as finances and, you know, we're, we're separated. And I spoke to her yesterday. Or was it today? I think it was today at length, you know, just chit-chatting about the kids and life and work and just different stuff. And we have a great relationship. I was always very open with her. Um, I had no secrets um, with her. Um, and I was always pretty open with my kids. Um, it was a little, it's, it was a little, especially, I would say it was very strained with my daughter in the beginning. Um, my son has always been very accepting from the first time that I told him um, at the time that, you know, that I had a boyfriend, you know, wh who I thought was a boyfriend. It ended up being somebody who was scamming me because they hated me because of who I used to be. Um, but, you know, I was in love with him. and um, But... Um, yeah, I mean, my family has been very accepting. Um, my daughter's being very sweet to me now. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, my family's, um, very sweet. My father has had a life altering stroke, so I cannot communicate with him anymore. But the last time we spoke was the morning of his stroke when I was telling him that I was, um, moving to Miami to, um, live with my boyfriend who was that person that was scamming me, thus me not living in Miami. That's um, not why he had the stroke, right? No, of course not. No. No, he had actually ended up having had um, a series of mini strokes uh, before that. No, I had always been extremely honest with my dad. He was always trying to, um, he just couldn't understand. You know, we had this one in-depth conversation where, he was um, telling me he had had some experiences, but he had turned them off and he didn't understand why I couldn't just turn it off. And I said, well, dad, what you don't understand is, one, I didn't ever turn it on and I've never had a sexual attraction to a woman. I've never had that experience before. And he was like, well, I just, I, I just don't know how to understand that. I'm like, I don't need you to understand it. I just need you to accept it. That's and, interesting um, to say um, that he is able to turn it off, you know? Right. Um, well, you know, he it's, was... That's kind of a, a... kind of can't turn that off. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, well, he was a heterosexual who had some bisexual experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very different than someone who is a true homosexual or true bisexual um we didn't turn it on we can't turn it off i mean your your experiences were influenced because of your environment where you're from and your background your family um i feel like you know with Jono and i you know we both came from more you know bigger cities uh, more open-minded people uh, our parents accepted us and embraced our, our you know, what we wanted to do and who we were and who we wanted to be. Um, but, you know, we can't judge, you know, other people's experiences because of what they go through, you know? Yeah, I'm very uh, envious of people, yeah. young people that um, were um, accepted and loved. When I watched um, the movie Love, Simon, oh my gosh, I bawled. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I walked out of my mom's I walked out of my mom's vagina and heels. So it's kind of like, you know, they kind of they kind of <laughs> knew they knew at a really early age. So it's kind of right. hard to, you know, not, you know. Like, so yeah, I mean, I remember going to my first P flag meeting, and this was before I had come out, but there was this young, cute black boy, and he was just so vivacious and just mm-hmm had all this energy and was so excited about life. And I was just in awe of him. And I thought, wow, that must be what it's like to be loved and affirmed and accepted mm-hmm. in who you are. Yeah. I never, I never had that. It was actually my ski patrol family that encouraged me to come out. Um, one of them said to me, I mean, it was a number of them, but one of them said to me, McCray, we love and accept you. We just want you to love and accept yourself. Mm. And um, 
Wow. That, you know, several of them were like, great. We just want you to be happy. You're not happy. Um, I was, I was very stressed out and, um, I'm sure it was a relief when you finally came out. Right. Well, it was, I mean, you know, I was stressed out all the time trying to repress who I was and, you know, not look at him and not look at him and not do this and not do that. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's very stressful trying to, um, not be who you are. Now I know before the show, you said that, um, coming out, you, you received some backlash, hate mail and death threats and such. I mean, I'm sure coming out, you know, with the unsupported family and, uh, and then, you know, the history with the conversion gay therapy that, you know, all of that was probably overwhelming. It's not just coming out of the closet like anybody. It was probably more of a unique situation for you. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, and all the media was just insane. Mm -hmm. And my family, um, was upset about it. My, um, my sister was furious. I mean, I couldn't control the, the international media. Um, I mean, I, I was, I, my, my phone was exploding from all of the media outlets wanting to talk to me and, and my, um, family, my wife, they wanted me just to put a press release out saying, you know, we're not, I'm not, um, doing any interviews. They wanted me to delete my social media and that's just not who I am. I I just wasn't going to do it. Um, I wasn't, I, I know that if I do not um, give interviews, then people are going to write about me and talk about me any, anyway, but I just don't have my input. And I really, I want to use my story, um, really my mistakes to um, help and empower um, people that are, being held back and not accepted and not accepting themselves. So when you say mistakes, do you mean like you basically, you know, brainwashing somebody else into thinking that they can just wake up one day and be straight? Um, well, I never told anyone that. Um, I, I always told everyone that I cannot uh, change your orientation. I cannot change your attractions. As far as I believe, you would always have same-sex attractions, but um, we promoted repression, that you would continue to have these attractions, but you would choose to not act out on them. Um, Because, you know, I tried to be as genuine and authentic, you know, if I was struggling with porn, you know, I would admit that to my my clients. Um, I... I would not, um, you know, dress it up or, or lie or obfuscate. Um, some of them found it disturbing because they wanted this magic pill. They wanted this magic prayer. Um, and I'm like, you know, sometimes I would laugh and say, I just I don't have that. Um, so I would say just starting the organization was a mistake. Um, 
you know, going to ex-gay counseling was a mistake. Um, you know, is giving my life to Jesus a mistake? No, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I have, I have atheist friends today that would, you know, argue that point, but that's okay. Um, you know, my, my biggest, um, mistake would, would be, uh, starting an ex-gay organization and promoting repression and, um, and feeling like I had to repress my sexuality and helping other people to repress um, their sexuality. You creating this monster, the ministry, um, what, what do you, how do you feel, or do you have any aspirations for this to actually putting an end to that organization or, you know, like, since you created it, like, you know, killing it. So, so it has closed. Okay, cool. So me, um, me being as open and honest and out and all of the media attention destroyed the brand. And so the organization closed last June. Um, they are reforming it. They're reforming under another um, organization in Kentucky um, with the remaining leaders, but the organization that I created has closed. So when you came out and you started dating, I don't know, you know, you took someone out to dinner or someone took you out to dinner or whatever, you know, did it come up? Did you hide your past? from? No, I, I always, um, tell people, I wish guys wanted to go out to dinner. Um, but, uh, I've had a few of those, not many, but, um, I, I've all, I'm, I've always been very upfront. Um, it was hard because when I got fired, I lost my entire social structure. And so I got on Grindr just to talk to people. And I wasn't having, you know, sexual conversations because I was afraid of being outed. Uh, but I didn't want people to feel like they could blackmail me. So I put my picture and and I said in my you know, little bio, I said, if you recognize me, please reach out to me. You know, if you go on my grinder profile, my name is on there. You, I have a Googleable name. Um, and you know, I've always told people who I am, um, from the start, usually even before we meet. Um, so, you know, it was probably to my detriment with this guy who scammed me for a year. Um, but, um, genuine, generally, um, guys are very accepting, um, that uh, my past is in my past. And uh, and what was some of like, did anyone say, you know what, I can't talk or, you know, did they, was there an emotional moment or a confrontation or was sure. there? I mean, you know, right. I, um, I had a guy um, that I actually went out on a dinner date with because, you know, he wanted to get together. And I said, how, we, how about we have an actual date and actually go out to dinner? Mm -hmm. And um, he's like, oh, sure, that'd be great. And so um, 
I, I asked him, like, so do you know who I am? And he's like, no, because on my grinder profile, I have my um, links to my Facebook and Instagram and Twitter um, attached to it. So I don't hide. You can go read everything about me in my profile. I, I uh, say I'm a former ministry know-it-all living my life uh, uh, genuinely out. And mm-hmm. um, and um, I encourage people to Google me and, and know who I am. But this guy, I asked him, do you know who I am? And he's like, no. And um, he, said, well, he said, I know you told me to Google you, but I thought that was a little weird. I figured I'd just let you tell me yourself. And so I did. And he was pretty overwhelmed. And he was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. You know. And um, so he had lots of questions. I'm sure. Yeah. Which I thought was great. Uh, but uh, like y'all, he, he had always been accepted. Um, and, um, lived, had always lived in a very, um, liberal modern city and, um, didn't have to deal with the, you know, um, heteronormative, um, pushing, um, that, um, I and, and so many people, um, have to live in. And I'm sure, you know, we're going to have some listeners who are going to be judgmental, you know, because they have been accepted. Um, But, you know, even when I reached out to you, I went in with an open mind, non-judgmental. I hope that the listeners, you know, who were coming into it sort of skeptical, um, do have an open mind, open heart because of your experiences versus theirs it's different can't really compare you know right Alrighty, kittens we're gonna take a little nap and we'll be right back guys that was i'm coming out by diana ross so guys why that song it's very appropriate for this it's very appropriate yeah big and boisterous um kind of old i'm kind of old and worn out sadly i'm uh but i'm uh, very much like a repressed 22 year old um so yeah kind of uh the retro is kind of fitting at what age did you actually like 
come out and be actually be out? Um, you know, you mean the first time or the second time? The second time, like we're actually able to live your life. I was 50. Um, so the the first time was 19 to 22. The second time was two years ago when I was 50. So you have like almost 30 years of repression, you know? So like it's bound to like, you know, you want to go do your thing, you know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. So we got some questions from uh, our listeners. Mm -hmm. They submitted earlier. And some of them you've already answered during the course of the show. So one is, did he reach out to his clients to rectify the psychological damage he inflicted? Um, Yes and no in the fact that because I was um, removed from leadership, I did not have access to that um, contact information. Uh, but you know, the, I did a number of posts and interviews and I encouraged people to reach out to me and, uh, a number of them did. I actually went, I actually participated in a counseling appointment with a young man that was trying to overcome his, um, trauma from, having participated in our ministry and he asked me if I would go to therapy with him and process with his therapist. And I did do that. Um, and I spoke to a number of, um, clients and, uh, um, was apologetic and, um, just had some very open, uh, conversations back and forth. So, this is just like my question now to that. Um, how, how do you feel about the ones that you were not able to like say you're sorry to the ones that did go all the way and, you know, took their lives with it? Well, you said take, took their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, um, there's, n- as far as I know, there's not any, um, people that I know of that actually took their life that participated in the ministry with it. There was one young man that was associated with the ministry that took his life, but um, he never actually um, was a client of mine. He never, I basically was just a friend of his, but he really more struggled with mental illness um, than he did anything. Not that I'm trying to obfuscate any kind of, um, you know, thing I had to do, um, but uh, I don't know of anyone that took their life. I know a few people that say they attempted suicide because of the struggle uh, as far as being a part and being associated. And I have spoken to a couple of those um and we are on good terms now um so there are also many people that are still in the ex-gay ministry that um 
They're like, McCray, you didn't harm me. You helped me, blah, 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 you know. And I'm like, you know, okay, I hear you say that, but I am not going to um, endorse um, repressing. Um, Give it time. Anymore. Give it time. In those situations, just give it time because it's bound yeah. to, you know, something's exactly. about to come out. Exactly. How do you manage to disassociate the reality of his inner self with what he was doing to others? Um, I, I don't know that I understand the question. Um, so I guess, like, how do you able to pull yourself out of that situation from, I guess, like, looking at yourself as, as like, a third party in, in, in those situations? Yeah. So how do you, how do you feel looking back at all that? Well, you know, it's um, it reminds me of a young man who is in a very similar situation to me, who's transgender, and he's come out and he's um, renounced his um, efforts in exgatum, as I call it, and um, and he's getting a lot of backlash, and he was asking me my advice. And I said, don't argue with them. You know, if, if they are coming at you, just unfriend them, you know, just block them, just move on. And if they are not happy for you, just move on. Um, I, and I had a lot of that. It wasn't just, um, you know, the gay, the LGBTQ community that was upset with me. Uh, And most of those people that were upset with me, honestly didn't know me because the people who did know me um, knew how honest and open um, I wrote a book called the transparent life. And I talked about all my junk, all my struggles. Um, And I encouraged people to be open and honest about their struggles. Um, But I was not where I am today with fully accepting myself. I, I just wasn't that person yet, but uh, I was encouraging people to be open and honest, but I was also at the same time uh, encouraging repression. And so, you know, you have to choose your um, family that you're going to associate with the, the people that you're going to um, trust and, um, confide in and allow your you know self to have your hair down with and the people who aren't going to accept you you're going to have to just move on from them um you know it it was a very painful process for me to decide what direction i was going to go in because i knew um um what it all entailed i knew what was going to happen so, yeah. All right. The next one is, how do you deal with the hurt you've caused? What are you doing now to redeem yourself? So um, I was doing a lot of um, advocacy pre-COVID. Um, and uh, there was a, we were writing my memoir. And um, there's a documentary that was in the works. And uh COVID kind of sucked all the uh, air out of the world. Um, And my son came down with a brain tumor. And so 
that uh, kind of sucked a lot of the air out of my life. Uh, but he's uh, he's he's good now. He's fully recovered. But for a time, you know, they had told us he was going to be dead in 18 months, which was awful. Um, but, you know, I've tried to be as, um, you know, if you do, if you go to my social media, you know, if you follow me at all, um, you know, I've been trying to be as trying to use my presence as much as possible. You know, I don't turn down interviews. I don't turn down um, requests um, to to speak. Um, and, you know, I want to get the message out that we need to accept ourselves and others. And, um, you know, whatever that's going to look like, I don't know. Um, you know, I have to make money. So most of my time is taken up with, with a normal job. Um, but any opportunity I get, um, I do utilize. I went, I, I went to uh, Salt Lake City and spoke before um, whatever group that was that banned conversion therapy um, there. So I was very proud to be a part of that. And, um, and you know, I told, um, told that group that, you know, I would love to participate in any time I could um, be of use. So, yeah. What would you tell your younger self? Love yourself, accept yourself. Um, Don't listen to the haters. Um, You know, be you. Um, And if there is a God, he loves you. Um, He's not trying to get you to be something different um than you are um or she or she yeah whatever um so yeah um have fun you know life is short um you know i I, i've uh i i have a lot of regrets um personal regrets and regrets as far as how I influenced other people. Um, But I feel like I was as authentic as I possibly could have been. Um, You know, and I was as honest as I could have been. I was just a different person during this, those years. And I'm, and I'm glad I'm the person I am now. If you had to say anything to the people listening who say that this is these are excuses or don't believe you or they're not buying it or it's not enough, what would you say to the people who are still processing? You know, the, I, I, like I invite anyone to reach out to me and, and dialogue with me. Um, and uh, I've had... You know, I replied to every single message, including, you know, hate mail and death threats. You know, some people blocked me so I couldn't reply, but I, I, I replied to every single message. And, um, and I said, you know, you, you obviously don't know me. Um, please give me a chance. Um, I'm trying to make a difference. Um, 
And, uh, you know, and some people, you know, were going back and forth. And I said, you know, would you like to talk on the phone? So I had some phone conversations with some people. Um, and so I'm not, uh, I'm a, I'm a busy guy, but I, uh, make the time to, uh, to chat with people. Um, I don't want to just make some carte blanche statement to everyone. Um, but, uh, if, uh, people want to reach out to me, I'm, I'm very easy to find and, uh, they're welcome to reach out to me. Where do they find you at? Well, you can find me on all the social media platforms. Um, and, uh, so they can message me in messenger, Facebook, um, Instagram, uh, my, uh, handle on, uh, Snapchat is ski patrol, man. But, um, but otherwise just, uh, search my name. Um, usually you can find me just by typing in McCray, which is M C K R A E. I'm actually the only M C K R A E, um, on Facebook. As far as I know, my Facebook address is facebook.com slash McCray. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty easy to find. Twitter. Thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely, I appreciate it and explaining yourself and yeah, giving us insight into your world and what you've been through. Right. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, and um, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Thanks for coming. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. This has been Jabber Podcast, produced by Dominic Albano and executive produced by John Madison. Do you have a question or topic you want to share? Email us at jabbrpod at gmail.com. Send us a DM on Instagram at jabberpod. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. Stories and mentions are not meant to hurt anyone and their subtitle parties.